joy to be with you. Looking forward to what the Lord is going to do. You may be seated, goodness. <laughs> of course, we could do this Jewish style. You could stand and they can bring me a chair. Uh, that's the way they taught. Uh, the rabbis always sat. Uh, and when you taught, you always sat. You remember it says, And seeing the multitude, uh, Jesus went, to, went into a mountain, and the disciples came unto him, and he, opened his, and he sat and opened his mouth and taught them, saying, uh, The rabbi always sat, the students always uh, stood. Which might be a good idea, you know, keep them awake anyhow, you know. <laughs> if you fall asleep, it would be quite obvious. Uh, Paul the Apostle wrote to the Galatian church, and he said, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should so soon turn away from the truth? Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, will you now be made perfect in the flesh? I have observed so many ministries, so many fellows, who had initial tremendous success in their ministries. Probably success a little too soon. Who began in the spirit, but with the success, they began to think, well, I've got something. Lord, I'm worth a lot to you. And they tried to become perfect in the flesh. And today they are out, out of the ministry, wondering whatever happened. It's because they tried to become perfect in the flesh. Or they thought that the success was something concerning them rather than realizing that it was God who gave the success. Starting well is important, but finishing well is more important. I think that the real test of the ministry is found in the end, in the finishing not in the beginning. In the Old Testament, we have some interesting examples of those who started well, but didn't finish well. In Second Chronicles chapter 14, it tells us about a fellow by the name of Asa. His dad was sort of a character, Abijah. He had 14 wives, 22 sons, and 16 daughters. He only reigned for three years, and he died. And Abijah his, and Asa, his son, took over. Now, the key word, you might say, 
in analyzing Abijah's ministry, he did not do that which was perfect towards the Lord. He wasn't completely toward the Lord. He sinned against the Lord. He didn't walk in the way of his fathers. And thus, a very short reign, Asa, his son, came to the throne. And uh, the beginning of the reign of Asa, the land had rest for ten years. Asa immediately instituted a spiritual reform. He got rid of the homosexuals out of positions of power. He took away the altars of the strange gods. He broke down the high places and their images and he cut down the groves. And he commanded Judah, over which he was reigning, to seek the Lord God of their fathers. They had turned from the Lord under the reign of the previous kings. And so we read in verse 7 that as a result of this, they built and prospered. He had a standing army and uh, they were mighty men of valor. But there came up against them the Ethiopians, with an army of one million men and 300 chariots. And though he had a fairly large army, he realized, I'm no match for these Ethiopians. Can't do it. So he did the wisest thing he can do when you know that you're no match, when you know that you can't do it. He prayed. And I love the prayers of the Old Testament men. I love to study the prayers of the Bible. And I think that his prayer is one of those classic prayers. Verse 11. Asa cried unto the Lord his God. And he said, Lord, it is nothing with you to help, whether with many or with them who have no power. First of all, he recognized that it doesn't take anything away from God to help. It's nothing for you to help. And it doesn't make any difference to you what the odds are. How weak we might be and how strong they might be. That has nothing to do with God. I mean, if God be for us, who can be against us? You and God make a majority. And so it is nothing for you to help. And we need to realize when we pray, the one we are calling upon. So important. To realize how great God is. Greater than any obstacle that you might face. Greater than any problem that you might have. Lord, it's nothing for you to help with those that are many or those that have no power. So help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on thee. And that resting in God, where I 
cease worrying. I cease uh, fretting about it. I have peace. I'm resting because I've committed it unto God. Resting in thee. And in your name, going to go out against this multitude. Oh Lord, you are God. Don't let man prevail against you. Oh, I like this. In your name, I'm going to go out. I'm outnumbered. I'm outgunned. But in your name, I'm going to go out against them. O oh Lord, you are God. Don't let man prevail against you. He's sort of saying, God, I'm going out in your name. Don't let him whip you. I'm right behind you, Lord. <laughs> and I think that this is a real key, fellas. Don't try to get ahead of God. Don't think that you're leading. Let the Lord lead. You follow. Right behind you, Lord. Don't let man prevail against you. You see, they're not prevailing against me. I'm going out in your name. Don't let them prevail against you. The result, of course, we know the Lord smote the Ethiopians, wiped them out. They took a lot of spoil. And as they were coming back with the victory of war and the spoils of war, the Spirit of God came upon a prophet by the name of Azariah. And he came out to meet the conquering army. And he said, Hear me, all of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you will be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Basic, basic truth. The Lord will be with you as long as you will be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. I think that oftentimes the Lord speaks to us and gives us warnings. And I think that many times we feel, well, thank you, Lord, I appreciate that, but I really don't need that warning. I have no problem there. But let me just suggest, whenever the Lord speaks to you and warns you about something, don't brush it off. Take it seriously. I'm sure that because of the tremendous victory, they had just seen God wipe out this Ethiopian army and, and they had this great victory. I'm sure that they were thinking, we'll never forsake the Lord. We will never turn away from Him. Look what God has done. And... and flushed and thrilled with victory, they felt no need for this reward. We would never forsake him. We are told that for a long time Israel had been uh, without a true God 
and a teaching priest and without the law. But when they were in their trouble, they did turn to the Lord of Israel. And when they sought him, he was found of them. That's the gracious thing about the Lord. Seek and ye shall find. When they sought him, he was found of them. As a result of what the Lord had done, Asa instituted even greater reforms, spiritual reforms. He began reigning and began his reign with spiritual reforms. But it wasn't total, it wasn't complete. But now after seeing God's great victory, he went back and even made greater spiritual reforms. The people were so excited with what God had done in the manifestation of God's presence with them uh, that uh, they gathered themselves together there in Jerusalem in the 15th year of Asa's reign and they offered to the Lord the spoil which they had brought, uh, the uh, 700 oxen, 7,000 sheep, and they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. So Lord, we're going to seek you. All of our heart, all of our soul. And they even said, if we've got some guys that won't seek you, uh, we'll put them to death. I mean, uh, they were really gung-ho for the Lord and for the things of the Lord at this point. We read in verse 15 of chapter 15, And all of Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with their heart, and they sought him with their whole desire, and he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest all about. We read of another king, Uzziah, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made his ways to prosper. And so here's with Asa, now prospering, and had many long years of prosperity in reigning over the people. But in the 36th year of his reign, years have gone by, the nation is blessed, they're rich. Uh, they've had uh, these, well, actually, he began uh, when God gave them the victory. You've been reigning for 10 years, and so 26 years of, of growth and prosperity, and things are going great. And then the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, the king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might not let any come in or go out uh, to Asa, the king of Judah. Now there's a threat. As you know, the nation of Israel was divided. There was the northern kingdom known as Israel, the southern kingdom known as Judah. Asa is reigning over the southern kingdom 
of the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin. When Baasha from the tribe, northern tribes, saw that they were being so blessed, he decided that he would set a siege against Jerusalem. Just north of Jerusalem, there is that city of Ramallah today. And he began to build fortifications in Ramallah. And the purpose was to cut off the supplies coming to Jerusalem. It was setting siege against Jerusalem in preparation to an attack. Uh, in those days, they would seek to sort of starve out the city, cutting off all of the supplies. Uh, and uh, a siege would sometimes last for five to ten years as they would cut off the supplies and weaken uh, the, the city before they would attack. So as he began to build this fortified city of Ramah, Asa brought out the silver and gold from the treasury of the house of the Lord and of the king's house, and he sent to Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus. And he said, we have a league, sort of a, you know, a co-defense kind of a thing. And he hired the troops of the Syrians under Ben-Hadad to attack Israel from the north, up in the area of Dan, to create a diversion so that the troops that were building this fortified city of Ramah to set siege against Jerusalem would have to be deployed north to defend Israel from the Syrian attack. And so it worked. Uh, Baasha had to take the troops that were building uh, Ramah and he deployed them to the north to defend against the Syrian attack. And, and it was a successful strategy in that it did work. Hananiah the prophet came to Asa and he said unto him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord your God, Therefore is this host that the king of Syria escaped out of your hand. Weren't the Ethiopians a huge host? And you called and depended upon God and God delivered them into your hand. You've done foolishly. Well, King Asa now is powerful. He's prosperous and he is angry. He's angry at the message of this prophet Hanani. But Hanani said unto him, and this is the key, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth 
to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him or completely toward him. Herein you have done foolishly because from now on you're going to have wars. The truth. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the entire earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him. What the prophet is saying is that God wants to bless. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless your, your ministry. God is just looking. Looking for men whose hearts are completely toward God that he might use them as his instruments that through them he might just pour out his blessing. God is looking. And to receive the blessing of God, all you have to do is have your heart in tune with the heart of God. God, you see, has a work that he wants to do. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God wants to do a work in your community. God wants to do a work in your church. And he's just looking for the opportunity. But it comes when our hearts are perfect towards him. The eyes of the Lord going to and fro throughout the entire earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards him. In the beginning when he was small, in the beginning when the Ethiopians came and he knew that, you know, he just couldn't handle them, he called on the Lord and the Lord helped. Now that he's strong, now that he's wealthy, he feels, I don't need the help of the Lord. I can do it myself. I've got the wealth. I've got the resources. I can just dip into the treasury and I can hire Ben-Hadad and the troops from Syria to attack. And, and he did and it was successful, but it was the arm of flesh and it wasn't really seeking the Lord. And there is probably a real danger in success. And I've seen it over and over again in so many ministries. When you're struggling and you're just having to rely upon the Lord and you're seeking the Lord for really just the money to take care of the bills, and, and you're on your knees and, and you're seeking the Lord. And as Jeff was saying, you're just sort of sitting there with the Lord worshiping Him. Knowing that you have to trust Him. Knowing that you have to depend upon the Lord. The Lord is faithful. He keeps us on our knees. I think that oftentimes He keeps us in that position where we realize, Lord, I need your help. I can't do it. 
And we discover in those times that God can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And that's a good place to be. When you begin to be successful, the church begins to grow. Issues come up. You say, oh, well, you know, just throw a little money here. And, and well, yeah, we've got the, you know, we can do it. And, and we get into that place where we think that we don't need God's help. We can handle it ourselves. We've been through this before and we've got our programs and we can accomplish this and it's a dangerous place to be. Having begun in the spirit, are you going to be made perfect in the flesh? Dangerous place in the ministry. When you seek to be made perfect in the flesh, we'll devise the means by which we can do it. We'll create the program. Asa was proud. He had a strategy. It worked. And he was very pleased with himself because this strategy worked. When Ben-Hadad attacked Baasha and they had to redeploy the troops to the north, he was able to go out and tear down the fortifications of uh, this city of Rama that uh, they were building the fortifications and he used those to strengthen some of the other cities of Israel and he was just so proud of you know what he was able to do and the rebuke of the prophet angered him and rather than listening to the Lord he threw the prophet in jail don't want to hear that don't like your message he was in a rage, it said. We read in verse 12, chapter 16. In the 39th year of his reign, he was diseased in his feet until the disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease, he sought not the Lord, but the aid of physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the 41st year of his reign. The suggestion or intimation here is, now with this severe foot disease that he had, he didn't really seek the Lord. He sought the aid of physicians. You see, he had once learned now to rely upon the flesh, upon his resources, rather than relying upon the Lord, and that's a dangerous place to be. I pray that the Lord will ever keep me in the place where I have to rely upon him. 
never in the place where I can rely upon my own devices or schemes or whatever, but always relying upon him. The suggestion is given that had he sought the Lord, God would have healed him of this disease in his feet. But because he didn't seek the help of the Lord, but he sought the aid of the physicians. You see, it's a pattern now. He died. How many times we see the work of God brought to a death because we no longer are seeking the Lord. We're now depending on our own resources, on our own abilities. I think that the Lord is very faithful and very good and that he often teaches us important lessons in difficult situations. Teaches us to not have self-reliance, but teaches us to learn to rely upon him. And I think that that's important training for the ministry. And I think these times of testing are so important. I know that in my own ministry, there were years of preparation before God could do what he wanted to do. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are completely toward him. But a lot of times it takes a lot of struggle and a lot of failure until our eyes are completely upon him. And then he can begin to do what he was wanting to do all the long. I had many years in the ministry struggling trying to do it in the ability of the flesh trying to do it with programs until the Lord brought me to the place where I sort of just gave up and realized I can't do it. I thought I could when I first started the ministry. And so the Lord let me do my best and try for 15 years until I finally came to the place where I said, Lord, I can't do it. And when I came to that place of just saying, Lord, help. It's nothing for you to do it whether I'm weak or whether I'm strong. Help, Lord. For years I was serving in a denomination. The break sort of came when uh, I was in Phoenix 
at a pastor's conference. And the bishop of our area had turned what was called a Bible conference, which I did enjoy, but the new bishop made it a sales conference, teaching us new methods, new programs to build the church. And I had already come to the realization that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And so, when he was presenting this new program to build the attendance, and they were making their presentation, it was a great uh, presentation. He made the statement that we understand that competition is carnal motivation. But we must recognize that the most of our people are carnal and thus we must use carnal motivation to get them to work. So he suggested a program that he had used to build a large Sunday school of competition. You pick out a church and you call the pastor and you challenge him to an attendance contest to last for a particular period of time. And so you set up these thermometers on the platform with a red ribbon and you can move the ribbon up and down uh, on these thermometers. And uh, when the Sunday school gathers back for the final assembly. You have on the phone, the, the stage of phone, and you get a call from the other pastor, and you say, yeah, how many did you have in Sunday school today? And he gives his number, and so you move up the thermometer, his thermometer to the number, and then you have the secretary come up and read what our attendance was today, and they move up, and you can watch and get a comparison of where you are in the contest. Because at the end of the contest period, the loser has to buy a special gift for the winning church. And uh, if they have more than you have, then you say to the people, look, we're going to have to get out and work harder this week. Because they're ahead of us. And, and you know, Let's really get out and next Sunday, you know, bring your more friends and so forth. And if you are higher than they are, you say, look, they're going to be working a lot harder this week because we are higher. They're going to try and beat us next week. So, you know, let's keep the momentum going. Let's stay ahead, you know. And, and so you keep this high competition going between them. And one of the fellows, pastors, who was in cahoots and in a pre-session, 
in which he laid out this whole program, stood up and said, tremendous idea, doctor, and I uh, move that we incorporate this and that we all of us while here challenge another church, a pastor here. A second crony stood up and said, I second the motion. And the bishop said, All in favor, stand to your feet. And all these pastors stood to their feet, except me. I had tried for 17 years these kinds of methods, and I was tired, and I knew I couldn't do it. But also, I had my little daughter sitting on my lap, and so I could use that as an excuse for not standing. <laughs> but as these guys were standing, they saw me sitting, and they got that look on their face, why am I standing? I've been had. And they started sitting down. And the bishop noticed that there began these guys that I've been having sidewalk seminars with. Uh, they began to sit down around me. And so immediately after the service, he came up to me and invited me out for coffee. And he pointed out the scripture that said that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and accused me of rebelling against, you know, the program and how that I, you know, was looked up to by some of the other pastors and how they, you know, began to sit down. And, and uh, I said, well, you know, sir, when you introduced this program, you admitted that Motivating people through competition was carnal motivation. You admitted that. And I said to him, then you had this one minister stand up and make the motion and another stand up and second. And then getting the pastors all excited, you had them affirm by standing to their feet. I said, I can only assume that you assume that we are all carnal. Because you were just using carnal motivation to get us all excited about this thing. And I said, I will confess I am more carnal than I want to be. But God knows I don't want to be carnal. I want to be spiritual. And I said, had you said... We need to realize that our people are carnal. Had you said, we need to really pray and seek God that the people might turn from carnality and really walk after the Spirit, I said I would have been the first one to stand to my feet. But to pander to their carnality, I just can't see it. I knew that at that moment... My time with the denomination was over. He would make sure of that. But God brought out of it Calvary Chapel, so what can you say? (laughs) 
But I was disturbed. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a bad thing to be accused of being into witchcraft. <laughs> and so when I went back to the room, I knelt down next to my bed and I said, Lord, I don't want to be rebellious against you. I do rebel against this whole concept that they're trying to sell us. But Lord, you know I'm not rebelling against you. I love you, Lord, and I want to be spiritual. And I want to, I want to, you know, be in the place that you can use me, Lord. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, in there in Acts, and the Lord added to the church daily those that should be saved. I mean, it's just heavy on my heart. Oh, thank you, Lord. You can do it. You can add daily to the church such as should be saved. Went back to my church, started getting all of this material. First Sunday is to be uh, introducing and then pledging. People will pledge to really get out and work during this period of time. The next Sunday is fill the pew Sunday where you're supposed to... Uh, fill the pew that you're in with friends and so forth, and all of these things, and it started coming along, and uh, I just tossed them over uh, into the trash can. In the denomination, you have to send in your reports every month, and it reports have how much money came in and how many... Attend, average attendance on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday nights, and so forth, average Sunday school. And, of course, I filled out the reports and sent them in. At the end of the contest period, I got this telegram from the bishop of congratulations. Our church had won first place in the Class A division. <laughs> of the greatest increase in attendance during this contest period. They were going to have a big rally and they were going to present the church with a trophy and all for winning first place. I had to write back to them and tell them that and I was to take a half hour on the program uh, to explain how we organized the people and got them together for the contest and all. I had to write and tell them the people didn't know we were in a contest. I didn't announce that we weren't involved. It was the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. God wants to bless. God will bless. He's just looking. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the entire earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are completely toward him. So the key for success, just get your heart in tune with God. Don't try and say, okay God, now we've got this program, bless this program. But just say, Lord, where do you want us to go from here? Let the Lord lead. You see, don't don't you try and lead the Lord. Don't try and uh, 
uh, give the track for the Lord to run on. But you follow Him. Don't try and get ahead of Him. Don't try and lead. Lord, in Your name, we're going to go out against this enemy. Don't let man prevail against... Lord, we're on Your side. We're right behind You. We're going to go into the battle. But Lord, don't let them prevail against You. You're out in front. And so keep it that way. Follow Him. Don't try and encourage Him to follow you. But just keep following Him. And you'll discover that what was true in Ace's day is true in our day. That the Lord is just looking to and fro throughout the entire earth. Because He wants to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward Him. Get your heart in tune with His. He'll do the rest. God bless you.